You're listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Weekend Message Podcast. To learn more about our community, like what we believe and how you can take a next step, visit us online at hcfcornwall.ca or join us for one of our services this weekend, Sunday mornings at 9.15 or 11 here at 847 York Street. Good morning. It is so great to see everybody here today. Service two. Service one was reacting better than I was preaching, so I hope you'll react better than I'm preaching this morning. I'm kind of excited about these two, um, our two, uh, part one today and part two leading up to Easter. Let's bring them to Jesus. Let's bring them to Jesus. And uh, I think... uh, I'm hoping that we'll all be stirred a little bit today to remember how powerful it is for someone to experience Jesus for the first time in a weekend service and uh, and then subsequently make a decision to be a Christ follower. Small group sign-up is today, as you saw, and Life is Better Together. We're wearing our T-shirts. Anyone with a T-shirt is a small group leader, and you can ask them any questions. This semester is super important because we are doing a church-wide emphasis. Uh, We often do sermon series. Uh, and then kind of follow that up and use the sermon series to kind of build the relationships and build out um, in our connectiveness in our small group. This semester, we really want to focus on moving through this material called Churches That Heal as a church. So if you're not signed up yet, I really would encourage oh, today's sign up, but if you were considering maybe not to or to skip this one because it's virtual again, I want to really encourage you to press through that because as a church, The Churches That Heal uh, curriculum is going to help us be the best post-pandemic church we can possibly be. We want to be a church that's gracious, that's understanding. Uh, Our hearts are open to people. And as we're going to talk about today, as we bring people to Jesus, the Churches That Heal emphasis is going to help us do much better at that. Not only is it for the people who are coming, but it's for us because it talks about some of the foundational ways that we as Christians grow not out of religious duty, not out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but how we can grow in a life-giving relationship with Jesus, not by following the rules, but by just allowing his grace to change us from the inside out. And so, I'm excited about it and uh I think it really will change us. This is a course change for us as a church. We're going to use this curriculum. Well, a number of years ago, uh, as we're talking about uh, church and how we do church, we be, we made a decision we needed to look at how we were doing church. You'd say, well, what do you mean? You have some music and a sermon, and there's only how many how many different ways can you do church? And it was more about when we say how we do church, how we viewed people in the room or the lack of people in the room that were unchurched. And at that time, it was a lack of people in the room that were unchurched. We began to see from the scriptures that God never intended the church to be a gathering of people who all share the exact same values, the exact same lifestyle, the exact same doctrine, and then somehow become this kind of exclusive club or an exclusive group, and you don't set out to do that, but that's what happens, and then when you become exclusive, you exclude people who are different. And people who don't know Jesus would be different in that sense, and I think the church has been very, and I speak just generally, and we, um, you know, we, we took ownership of this, that we were excluding people that Jesus was trying to include. And, uh, and so we looked at this 
in a really a hard way and, and uh, an honest way. And we decided that Harvest should not exist primarily for church people. We made that decision because the scriptures are too clear that God is extending his invitation of salvation to the whole world. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. And that word destroyed there means eternally, eternal destruction. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life that begins the moment you accept Christ and you become a Christ follower. Peter said this in 2 Peter, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. The promise of God was that Jesus would return. He had ascended at the Easter. He, he, uh, Jesus died. He was buried. He was resurrected again. And he said, I'm coming again. And here in the first century, they were already wondering, well, when are you coming? Here we're 2,000 years into this now, asking that question, I, I, I'm, I, I'm sure, today. And we're closer today than they were 2,000 years ago. But the response was this. This is why Jesus is in a hurry to come back. As some understand slowness, instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Say anyone. Say everyone. So Jesus is waiting in heaven for an opportune time that more, there's more people breathing air today uh, than in all the graves combined in history. And so God is waiting for this time in history to extend his love so everyone, anyone uh, could be a Christ follower and, uh, and know his love. But we were excluding people. We weren't experiencing people uh, coming to know Jesus. And we didn't set out to do that, but we were doing that. And so one of the decisions we made was that we said you could belong to the community called Harvest. You could belong before you believe. And we separated out kind of the doctrinal, what does it mean to be a Christ follower? What does it mean? We said that's a journey. We're going to allow that to be a journey. There's an entry point where people can belong and feel like they are part of a community before they uh, they would believe. And we had to get really good as a church, so that would mean we call it messy church, <laughs> that things would get messy because no one knows the rules now because they're not, we don't have, we're not living and doing church by rules but by relationships with each other and with the Lord. And it just gets messy. Say messy. <laughs> yeah. We've had some messy things go on that are good messy. It's like my grandkids were over yesterday and my house is messy, uh, but it's cool. Because in every little mess as I'm cleaning it up, I'm reminded how great grandchildren are. And it's the same way in church, that when we don't understand everything, we have to get good with, we have to get good with, it might get awkward, that things are not always simple. And answers sometimes can be complicated to complicated issues. It's not just always simple. And so we're going to approach it that way and get good with that. The reason we got good with it is we saw that our mission is not to decide who's in and who's out. That's God's decision. He's the judge. God will decide who's in and who's out. Our job is to make our church, make Harvest a place where there's a clear pathway to Jesus Christ, a clear pathway to his love, unhindered, unencumbered by religiosity, but a clear environment where unchurched people could find Christ. If I could say it this way, at least for me, it's been incredible. <laughs> like, I mean, it's been awesome. No turning back, no going back. It has been awesome. And uh, people online today um, in the room were applauding because those of us that have been along the journey know 
that we've seen more people come to Jesus in about six or seven years of these changes. We celebrate uh, our 18th birthday next week, uh, 18 years that Harvest has been here in Cornwall. I know, it's amazing. But we saw more people come to know Jesus in four or five, six years than all of the other years combined. And so we know we're on the right track. We know we're doing what God wants us to do. The stories of people finding Jesus and their lives changing as they experience his love and grace, it just doesn't get old. And this is what we do and why we do what we do, and we're going to keep on doing what we do. And so I want to stir you a little bit this morning as we come up to Easter, and it typically uh, is a time uh, that we're strategic about our Easter services, and we want as many unchurched people as possible to come and be a part of our services. And so we opened up the third service in order to accommodate that uh, with our restrictions for seating. And I know there's many ways people can discover Christ. I know that. I know there are many ways uh, that that can happen. But the primary way by scriptures, uh, by experience. The primary way people find Jesus is when a church is carrying out the Great Commission, loving people, preaching good news, not bad news, preaching the good news. We don't preach what we're against at Harvest. We preach what we're for. We're for uh, Jesus who's for us. And that's the, the gospel good news that Jesus preached while he was on the earth. We try to do the very same thing. So as we get ready for Easter, it just is a great opportunity. Great, great opportunity as the environment here on Easter Easter weekend, uh, primarily Sundays. Uh, Good Friday is more of a believers meeting, but on Sunday, uh, the three services, uh, we will be extra careful about how we are presenting Jesus and ourselves so people can belong before they believe. So I want you to bring people to Jesus on Easter Sunday. You say, Pastor, but we're not bringing them to Jesus. We're bringing them to church. Sort of, and that's what I want to talk to you about. So, Father, I ask in Jesus' name for clarity. Those watching online, those in the room, thank you, Lord, for just a great sense in first service, Lord, as we are on the same page, as we're moving together. That would be the same uh, in second service because we're not two different churches. We're one church meeting at different times. On the same page of what you've called us to be and do in these days, I ask in your name. Everyone said? So let's look at Mark chapter 6. Um, what I've been doing the last number of weeks getting ready for these two weeks is studying every time in the Scriptures, in the Gospels, where it said, and they brought them to Jesus, or they brought him to Jesus, or they brought her to Jesus. I'm looking at all those Scriptures and what a fun study it's been, and I thought I'd have some really great Scriptures for you, uh, specifically what happened when they brought them to Jesus. We're going to do that next week, but this week, this verse stuck out, and I think it's the right verse uh, for us this morning when they had crossed over. The disciples in a boat with Jesus going from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other. They landed at Gennesaret, and they anchored there. And as soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, villages, towns, countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces, and they begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. All right, let's just take this scripture apart this morning. Why do we bring people to church? We're really bringing them to Jesus. Fun fact as we look at this scripture, this is probably Jesus' first time in Gennesaret as we look at the Gospels and we kind of follow the chronology. First time the boat has stopped in Gennesaret, and he's going to walk to Capernaum. He's been to Capernaum before, but he's a first-timer in Gennesaret. Say first-timer. 
I just thought that was cool because um, many people, unchurched people that come as a result of us uh, bringing them to Jesus, bringing them to church, uh, it's their first time. Maybe first time in a church. Uh, that story is told often as we talk to people who don't even uh, enter into church anymore for weddings or funerals. Even that's becoming more and more rare. The church is a place where that happens. So Jesus is a first-timer Gennesaret, uh, and, uh, and he anchors the boat, and he's going to start his journey to Capernaum. But even though Jesus is a first-timer, there are people who have done commerce and business. They have visited relatives in other cities, maybe Capernaum. And the Bible says they recognized they recognized him uh, from these other cities. I like to play this game with Christina. Christina's my wife. She was on the platform this morning. She was the best-looking lady that was up here, and um, in my opinion. And, uh, and so... Uh, we play this game, and the way you win the game is you you have to be you have to be good at recognizing uh, traits of people that have striking resemblance to somebody we know, and so it could be a movie. Uh, who's that look like? Or we're at, we're out in public. Who's that look like? Now, if you do it just generally, who does that look like? Uh, it doesn't work because she'll say, "I don't know, <laughs> I don't know." It's not fun. But what's fun is when you go, "Who's that look like?" And she goes, "Oh." Looks like so-and-so. You go, I go, yeah, right? Right? Is that crazy? And then it's kind of fun. So it's it, the closer the resemblance and the other person gets it, the more fun the game. And so the Bible says that Jesus uh, was recognized by the people. Who, who, who does that look like? Who does it look like? I think, I think it's Jesus. I think it might be Jesus. I, I, I think I recognize him from the other city. I have a pastor friend in Malone, and uh, Ben Stiller uh, the actor Ben Stiller, uh, Meet the Fockers, and all different kinds of movies he's been in, uh, has a summer place in the Adirondacks, and he happened to be um, uh, close by to, M- to Malone where they live, and they spotted him in a, a local cafe, and so they knew it was Ben Stiller. You know, he's kind of a striking, it doesn't just remind you of somebody, they, they knew it was him. Like, they knew it was him so much that they ran up to him and asked permission for a selfie, and they took it, and they posted on their page all of the time to remind people that they got to see a famous person in Malone, New York. Then you need to know that Malone, New York is kind of a place that nobody goes to. So when a famous person is there, that's kind of cool. So Ben Stiller, you probably don't run up to someone you're not sure if it's them and ask for the selfie. And they look at you like, do I know you? No, but I know you. Aren't you that famous basketball player? I've had family do that and and see somebody at the airport and, oh, yeah, 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 cool, man. And then you get a selfie. But if the person looks at you and goes, I don't play NBA basketball or I've never been in a movie, and you go, oh, it just resembles. Like, that That would be awkward, wouldn't it? That would be kind of awkward you didn't get the right person. So you only do that when you recognize that person. And this word that they recognized Jesus meant they knew exactly who he was. They had seen him in action. They knew uh, his ministry. They, they knew that uh, and were convinced about what he could do with coming to Gennesaret, that he was going to do in Gennesaret what he had done in the places that they had watched him. They were convinced. They were fully persuaded who Jesus was. That's what it means when it says they recognized him. If we're going to be a people uh, at harvest that's going to reach people, then number one this morning, 
We need to recognize that Jesus is in our weekend services every single time we come together. He is here. Uh, His power is here. His presence is here. Matthew says, and when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure that I'll be there. Jesus doesn't uh, sleep in and miss his own service, all right? He's here. His presence is here. He wants to manifest or make real his presence. And the scriptures kind of help us understand uh, how that happens, how we kind of take the veil uh, between heaven and earth away so that when his people gather, he says, I'll be there. Well, one of the ways is his tangible, real, experienced presence, everybody in the room, is as we worship the Lord. And so we make a big deal at Harvest about passionate worship and experiencing God's presence as we offer up praise to him, and we do it loudly and exuberantly, um, not now during the pandemic, of course, but loudly and exuberantly, uh, we want to, we praise the Lord. We don't know how else to do it. At harvest. And when a church lifts up praise, the Bible says, um, but you are wholly enthroned in the praises of Israel. The God reveals his throne. And this happens in a couple of ways. As praises ascend to God, the veil becomes thin and God responds by revealing his authority. And so uh, the, the throne of heaven is God's authority. Say authority. As we're worshiping God and that's being manifested, there is no authority on earth stronger than the authority of heaven. And so even if an addiction, we're going to be praying for addictions today. People have asked for that. The power of God can in an instant break an addiction because the throne, the authority of God is greater than the authority of an addiction or the power of an addiction. Pastor Dick and, and Margo, his wife, have, have just uh, throughout the years here at Harvest have been the forerunners in the message of physical healing and all the Bible says about healing. And they have been faithful to pray for the sick for years and years here at Harvest. We've seen many miracles take place as God loves to have his throne of healing authority. It's, it's greater than, than sickness. And Pastor Dick says this. He believes that before uh, he leaves this earth, he gets to see it harvest. He says it this way, that harvest will be a can- known as a cancer clinic, not because we're treating cancer, but cancers are being healed as people come into God's presence here at harvest. Now, we, you push for that, and we contend for that. A lot of that we've taught about healing is faith and different things. There's different moving parts with that. But I believe that too, and we believe that when people come who need a touch, they can be healed instantaneously just by standing where the throne is, the throne of grace, right? Come boldly to the throne of grace. Most people that are first-timers are coming in thinking God's mad at them. They truly have a heart belief system that the world has taught them or family has taught them or their religious experience has taught them that God is angry and you've got to perform salvation, that you've got to do stuff. You've just got to get it right. You break the law, God's going to kill you. Thunder, lightning, God. Mount Sinai, God, for those of us that know the Old Testament. But God said, "I I don't live in Mount Sinai anymore at the giving of the law. The New Testament in Hebrew says, I live in Mount 
about Zion, which was David's favorite phrase all through the Psalms, prophetically talking about the church in this age where praises would be ascending and the throne of grace and the invitation to God's love would be happening. Most people know an angry God, but the throne of grace gets manifested when they come into God's presence because we want people to belong before they believe. And so as we recognize Jesus, I'm stirring you to remember today, we should be the ones who recognize him the most because we've experienced him. And when you recognize Jesus and you're confident in Acts chapter 10, and he sent us to preach the good news everywhere, well, we're kind of doing it differently. We're not going out establishing churches. That's what this was talking about. But here in an established church, we're preaching the gospel Every time, instead of everywhere, every time, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. So that's, that's our message. That's what we're preaching. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening. Holy Spirit fell on them. What, is, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, you're going to see a great story on Easter Sunday uh, featuring some people here in our church, but uh, the Henry and Judy St. Jacques are uh, one of the stories that are being featured. They're sitting here where their life is a Better Together t-shirt because they're amazing small group leaders. And, um, and so, if, guys, if you're sitting there and somebody were to get up in your row, if Tammy were to get up and kind of make her way and she were to trip and fall on you, and I said, Tammy fell on you this morning. I wouldn't have to tell you Tammy fell on you this morning because you would be aware of the weight of a person, anybody uh, that that you know you would you would you would you'd know you would know someone fell on you. The Holy Spirit fell on. What does it mean? In the Old Testament, the word glory of God, and that word glory just meant God's real. I felt Him, touched Him, not necessarily with my physical senses, but just as strong as experiencing with my physical senses. My heart sense was something of weight, something of significance, something wonderful. The Holy Spirit fell on them. And so while we preach the good news, we recognize that Jesus, by the Holy Spirit in the room, can his weight can fall on people. When we're, I, I never get tired of the stories when we go to step one or uh, somebody's getting water baptized and they share their story with us on, on, on video. And they'll say, for weeks and weeks when I would come to harvest, during the worship time, I would find myself crying. And I'm doing it now, and I don't know why. Why is everyone feeling so embarrassing? And I know those Kleenex boxes, and now I know why. What is that? And we tell them. We tell them what's happening is you weren't expecting it, but your heart walls came down. You discovered the throne of grace. You were in a place where not God's anger, but God's love and God's acceptance was reaching out to you. And it was just like the weight, the Holy Spirit fell on you. He fell on you. You're like, what, what is this? He, he, the Holy Spirit fell on you. <laughs> and so it's just amazing. And when we recognize the power of Jesus, it goes on, and they ran throughout the whole area and spread the news of his arrival and began carrying sick folk to him on mats and stretchers. When we recognize that Jesus is here in our weekend services, and when I say when, sometimes we kind of forget when we're here week after week 
And come on, what happens too is that over time, there's kind of varying degrees which every person in our spiritual senses experiences him in a weekend of service. And there are those really memorable ones that kind of, you know, the top five or ten that we have. And then there's the ones every week, and that's cool, and we like those. But we start kind of measuring. And then we kind of take Jesus for granted, I think, and yeah, yeah, Jesus will be there. That's cool. And I had a bad week. I, I'm expect, you know, I need a touch from God, and and we kind of think that way. But in Jesus's hometown, the Bible says when he went, he could not do any miracles in his hometown where he grew up because they didn't recognize him as Jesus, the Son of God. They said he's just Jesus, the Son of the Carpenter Joseph, and so they're recognition of who he really was wasn't engaging. And it literally tied the hands of Jesus because he cooperates with his people. He cooperates with faith. We need to recognize that he's here. Come on, somebody. And when we do, they ran. They ran (laughs) because they were persuaded. It creates an urgency. We realize that the eternality of people's Their existence in eternity is important. It was important to Jesus. It's important to us. We want people to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven and experience his love, experience his acceptance for all of eternity. So we get excited about this. It creates an urgency. I want to be a part of people being brought to Jesus. And so we go back to where we come from, Cornwall, Ingleside, Lunenburg. North Lunenburg, South Lunenburg, hey, Alexandria. Anybody from Alexandria here today? Of course you are. I knew you were going to put your hand up with great pride. Listen to me. I'm just throwing it out there. No plans have been made. Just pastor feels like saying it. I think that the Holy Spirit thinks that there should be a life-giving church just like Harvest, whether it's just in campus form or small group form, whatever form, we'll let God figure that out, in Alexandria. I think that would just be amazing to have happen in Alexandria. And so how does it begin? We run where we come from, Alexandria, our friends, our family. And, and when you got water baptized, that was such a great, that was one of my, because you didn't know, you didn't know that we'd been praying that week. God had started placing Alexandria on our heart. I was driving up, driving around Alexandria, blessing it and praying for it. And that very week, when you got, you had a whole row of people. I think there were 10 or 12 people from Alexandria came and watched you get water baptized. You're amazing. It's amazing. God's amazing. We run back. There's an urgency where we go back to the people we do life with, family, coworkers, friends, people who have not experienced him, and we bring them to Jesus. And just like Jesus was a first-timer, they can be a first-timer. Or a second time. Hey, you might have somebody you go, yeah, I brought them last Easter, and they, they came, but they've never come back. Or they came at, e- at Christmas, but they've came, and they never come again. Listen, they're good pickings because they came last year, and I'll bet that if you were to ask them, what is your church? Well, there's only one church they've been to. It's called Harvest. They're going to go, well, I'll go to that Harvest place with you again. It is Easter. We leverage that. We don't get angry about that. You will never hear me say, oh, yeah. Like some pastors do. It's Easter. The Easter bunny people that come every week, they hop in the church and hop out. And the Christmas people. No, 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 no. We love the Easter bunny people that hop in on Easter Sunday. Because I know the next time they're asked, they'll hop in again. And then I know that they'll experience him. And they'll become a runner. And they'll hop out and ask somebody else to come with them. 
and Jesus is making his love known. So number two, be willing to be a runner. Number three, you will have to carry them. Now, I don't mean you're going to go grab them, throw them over your shoulder and bring them to church, knock them out. You're coming to church with me, you know. And that's kind of how some people do this. No, 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 not like that. Not like that. It says that they brought them on, uh, they began carrying sick folks to him on mats and stretchers. It just means this. They couldn't get there on their own. They couldn't walk there on their own. Now, you got to get this. Statistically, a handful of times, I can really, literally can count on one hand how many people, uh, their testimony at Harvest was, hey, I was just walking by the church. I was just walking by, and something started pulling me, and I was fighting it. But I, I, got, in, I got in the church. I got saved. Here I am. God bless everybody. <laughs> it's not that it hasn't happened, but it's happened so rarely I kind of think, maybe you're just weird. I don't, like, I don't know. I got, you know, because most people, highest, just like somebody brought them to church with them. That's how it happens. And that's what we want to cooperate with. I don't fight against it. We want to cooperate with that. And here's how you can, because they won't walk in on their own, how you can carry somebody Easter Sunday morning uh, when, as we're kind of getting ready for this. Number one, you can carry them in prayer. You can begin praying for them right now as God might just put a name or a face, and you begin to just pray for them. The Bible says that angels minister to people who are going to get saved. They kind of get them ready. And I kind of think of it this way. Some of you, me included, we kept some angels super busy. Because we were resisting. We weren't going that way on our own. But somehow the angelic force get involved with this. Now, we don't pray to angels. We don't, we don't see that in the scriptures. And we don't even have to ask, hey, God, will you just do that thing with the angels? Will you do that thing with the angels, God? We don't even do that. That's up to God. Those are his messengers. Those, that's his army. So we just, we just know they're there, quoting the scripture, and we just cooperate with that and just kind of smile and go, you know, I can see the angels are busy. But you pray, you pray and just ask God. To, I always say, put a grace bubble around them. Let them begin. Let their heart become soft. Let them begin to be open. Let them come in when that they meet that smiley person named Anita in the in the parking lot. They're right away. They'll just become disarmed and go, "Wow, this is cool. You guys got valet parking or something? This is cool." Lord, let them get ready, and that's how you can carry them in prayer. Second, you can carry them relationally. Carry them in because you're bringing them with you. Sit beside me. Make them feel comfortable. Um, and uh, listen. If they're in a stretcher, there's probably four people involved, minimum of two, front and back. Team up with some people. You pray for their people. You pray for theirs. And you team up together and say, God, let's believe for some miracles on Easter Sunday morning. All right, so we recognize Jesus. We're willing to be a runner. We'll carry them here. And I love the result. If I can have the team come up as we transition our service today. I love this result. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak and all who touched it were healed. I ask you the question this morning, what kind of experience with Jesus does it take to have somebody uh, give their lives to him, to have somebody healed, to have an addiction broken, to have the, the torment of mental illness literally fall off in a service? What level of experience do they have to have? Well, let's look at this this morning because this is amazing. Do they have to have a theology course and really get it all and get all their Bible scripture in line? Is it like there's a secret key and if you don't pray a certain way or you kind of almost got it there, but come back next week, we'll teach you really how to 
to pray, and then you can really have a breakthrough. And oh, well, you know, you got to take the seat. No, no, no. Listen, come on. Today, let's just get on the same page here. What level of experience with Jesus does it take to change a life? Well, they they knew. See, I think Jesus was wearing Lulu because everybody. I think he's fashionable. I just do. I don't think Jesus took a vow of poverty, and I mean. The soldiers on the cross were having a gambling tournament as to who was going to get his clothes. I'm just saying, just saying, nothing against Giant Tiger. But if he, if he, I know, but if his robe, if his robe was from Giant Tiger, I don't think they would be fighting over it because anybody can go to Giant Tiger and get that. So whatever he had was custom, beautiful, and I'll let you read that. And if that's like, what are we talking about? You just read that and see what were the soldiers fighting over, his garment. And so I think it was kind of like a Lulu thing. And I think it had tassels because that was in style back then, these multicolored tassels on the bottom. And, and so the people who recognized him, the people who said, we're going to be a runner, people said, we're, we care, I carried my dad here today, Jesus. And they said, Jesus? No, it said they begged Jesus. Not the sick people. They don't know what's going on. Someone just, I don't know. My friend just carried me here and plunked me down. I, don't, <laughs> I didn't have a lot of choice here in the matter. Because the they isn't the people that are in the stretchers. It's the people who recognized him. Now, they didn't understand what we understand today, so it says they begged him. We don't have to beg Jesus. We just cooperate with him. This is what he wants to do. Say wants to. Oh, he wants to touch your dad. He Right? He wants to touch dads, doesn't he? Yeah, he wants to touch dad. But happy birthday, by the way. He wants to touch dads. Wants to touch moms. Wants to touch kids. And they said, Jesus, if you just kind of get close enough... You just kind of kick out your hip there a little bit, and your tassels would go out, and just kind of, we just kind of touch them. Like the ta- all we need, Jesus, all, all we need you to do is just, if they were to be like tassel touchers, like if they were just to be tassel touchers, they would get healed, and everybody did. Do you see it? Sometimes, because we're, we're thinking our top ten, and well, if it's not a top ten service. No, no, we forget sometimes being a first-timer and coming in and realizing He loves us. And as He moves through the aisles during the singing, during the Word, during video presentations, all of what we've been praying, hey, listen, all it takes, listen, all it takes is a touch from His tassels. And what it tells us today, come on over here, babe, what it tells us today You know, the scriptures say, taste and see, the Lord is good. We know repentance, a change of mind, is what causes people to change from the direction they're going to go into the arms of God's love. God never turned his back on mankind, ever, 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 ever. Mankind turned their back. But when you repent, you change your mind about God, and you embrace God. It says it's from tasting and finding out how good he is. Not how angry, not how mad, how good and loving and accepting he is. We've seen it over and over and over here at Harvest. People come and have a tassel-touching experience. Because I've had other kind of different churches say, oh, you're one of those churches, you do that on Easter Sunday, and you kind of lower the bar, right? You make it like really easy for people to get saved, and they go, uh-huh, yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, just a tassel touch. 
We're the tassel touching church. We don't make them do the theology course because they don't get it, you big dummy. <laughs> they don't get it. They're not supposed to get it. They're supposed to have a taste and see that God is good. And where are they going to do that if they're not doing it in the house of God? And so we've seen it happen. And what I love most about this story today, <laughs> that it really wasn't about the faith of the people who ran and brought people. That was because they recognized they just, I think you're going to do something. But it really wasn't about their faith. And obviously it wasn't about the faith of the people that came because they didn't know what to expect. But it's all about God's commitment to love people that causes them to see, I can taste, I can see Him, I can experience Him. It's more about God's commitment to it than our faith. And so Harvest, today I would challenge you and say, let's bring them to Jesus. Let's bring them to Jesus. Go ahead, put your hands together. Thank God for what he's going to do on Easter Sunday. Christina's going to pray for a number of things that we're believing miracles for today. You're you're believing. You're asking today. We're carrying you in prayer to the Lord today. Just before we do that, I want to ask if there's someone online that's here today and you're hearing this message. Maybe you've heard a bunch of messages. You'll know if you've heard a bunch that every Sunday we give an opportunity for someone to make the decision to say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I want to receive your love. So many people looking, they're like, is there something I have to do? No, if there was something you had to do, the Bible says that Jesus didn't need to be crucified on the cross. It's not Jesus crucified and then a little extra. It's Jesus crucified and nothing else. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, we preach Christ crucified, period. And it's when Jesus comes into our life, that's what begins to change us. Not the rules, not the regulations, not the doing. It's the love of God. Taste and see, God is good. And maybe you didn't know that God was good toward you today. Or you're in the room today and you didn't know. I'm going to invite you right now to take a step of faith toward God today and say, I don't want to, I, I want what you're talking about. I don't want to lead you in a simple prayer. I'm going to count down from three. I'm going to go three, two, one. When I get to one, I simply ask that we put your hand up. If you're online, include me in the prayer. Say, include me in the prayer. If you're online watching right now, my greatest privilege would be able to lead you in a prayer of invitation to begin eternal life today, right now. Are you ready? Three. You might say, this can't possibly be for me. If your heart's beating right now and the Holy Spirit's kind of falling on you right now and you're going, I feel like I'm the only one in the room or I'm the only one in line with a spotlight on me. Not our spotlight, but God might be spotlighting you today saying, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for you. Two and one. If that's you, would you just lift your hand, type it in online, include me in the prayer. Is there anyone? I don't want to miss anyone today. Is there anyone today? I see a, I see a hand back there. It's kind of shadowy. I don't know who that sure that is. Is that Titus? Is that Titus? Titus, dude. Come on. Yeah. Buddy. Titus, I put my hand up when I was nine. I know you're not quite there yet, but I was nine years old. I was nine years old when I put my hand up to receive Jesus. Ah, so good. Anyone online today? Let's pray a prayer. Titus, I think you've prayed this prayer with mom and dad today, but something's going to even even deeper happen in your heart right now. Let's all pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. Come into my life. Live there forever. I live with you 
Amen. That's simple prayer. Come on, a simple prayer. Begin your life with Jesus. We've got some other prayers that we're going to pray today. We've got some things we're going to believe God for. some major mic issues today. <laughs> I know. We should tell Mike to behave himself. Who is that Mike guy? I don't know what's going on, yeah. but right. our mics are playing games on us. We do have some prayer requests this morning. Um, together. We're going to pray together. Yeah. We're praying for financial needs and seeing Jesus as a provider. It's still not working. There. How's that? We're going to throw all those mics so we can get new ones. <laughs> I think we just got those. Um, we're praying for financial needs and seeing Jesus as the provider this morning for depression and addiction and health and our grand people to get saved. And we're praying for little baby Rory this morning. I know we've been praying for that baby, but Rory has developed a stomach infection and the baby's only 1.7 pounds. And you know, um, they've had to stop feeds for seven days. So we're going to come against that. And Rory's going to start gaining weight, and we're going to see a miracle, because God is in the business today of miracles. Come on. Yeah, we don't want to just talk about it. We're going to pray our prayers. Uh, Alarays and Atar are on, and you found out in first service. So we've been praying. They've been, we, we've identified them to be here in Cornwall uh, as uh, refugees from Iran to Turkey and now to here. Um, so we've been praying for about three or four weeks. They got paperwork last week. That they have to fill out to go have to go have their to go and have their interview with the Turkish government to release them to come to Canada. God answers prayer. Come on. Father, you hear our prayers this morning. God, you're already making a way for El Razar and Atar, God, and they're gonna be here in the house. Father, we just pray that you will just finish what you've started, God, and we will see them here soon. Father, we're coming to you, Father, asking for prayer for financial needs, God. You are our provider. There is nothing, God, outside of you that is our provider. God, I'm praying for promotions this morning. I'm praying for raises this morning. I'm praying for things that will come out of nowhere. Because, God, that's what you do. Father, we're praying for depression and addiction and health as a whole, God. I'm just praying that you will break things that hold minds, that hold hearts, that hold thoughts. God, we break it off this morning. God, we pray freedom. Freedom, God, this morning for those things that hold us and bind us and and just hold us down. God, we are praying freedom. God, we're coming for, we're asking for baby Rory this morning, God. I'm praying that there will be a substantial growth in this baby, God. Father, I'm coming against any stomach infection. God, we're just, we know you have a great plan for this baby. We know you have a destiny for baby Rory, God. And we're praying this morning for that baby. God, we just thank you for all that you do, God. For the prayer requests that we may not even know this morning. But God, we don't need to know them all because you see them all, Jesus. God, we thank you. Father, we thank you that you love us. God, we thank you that you heal us. God, we thank you that you show your miracles and you show your faith and you show your face, God. Father, thank you. We just want to keep worshiping you today and all through this week, God. Your name we pray. Amen. You know, I just feel like there's somebody online. The Lord just gave me a picture of somebody who uh, had take, you taken off your wedding rings. Uh, I don't know if you do that nightly or what happens, but the thought, there's, there's some marital issues going on, some real hardship. 
some real pain in your life, some some pain that's lasted a long time. And I feel like somehow you put your wedding rings back on this week and you're believing for a miracle. And if that's you, I want you to know that that choice has released the grace of God into your spouse's heart, the grace of God into your life. And if it's you this morning, you're believing, you're watching today, just let us know that God is speaking today. And I believe He is. And just confirm this. We want to stand with you and your decision to make your marriage work. And I don't know if it was literally that you literally did this with your rings, but you'll know who you are. This will ring with you. And you'll go, stand with me in my my marriage relationship. And uh, we want to we want to do that. We'll stand with you in prayer. This sharing the mic's not working. I know. It's all right. I know. If you need prayer in the building this morning, come on down. Our prayer team's here. They're all ready to pray for you. If you have a prayer request, just leave us a voicemail or the info on the screen online. We want to stand with you. We want to believe with you. We want to watch your miracle. We want to see it unfold because it's just around the corner. So don't ever give up faith. God sees your 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 needs. Um, our small groups, I'm sure you all saw, small groups are back up. So you just need to head to hcfcormel.ca slash small groups and register for us for a small group today. You want to be a part. That's our connection. That's our smaller family connection in a large church. So make sure you get signed up for that. Um, Easter's around the corner. You all got those dates. So make sure it's just around the corner. And you know, the worship team's been working hard. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be an incredible day. Uh, remember to register. For your services here next week, hcfcormel.ca slash register so you can get a seat in one of the services while it's the end of our service. This is where we say goodbye. Together. Yeah, you want to sing that song? I'm going to save you. (laughs) Harvest, we love you. In the room, out of the room, online. Hey, God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you back here next week.